Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I'm Imogen Watson, Work and Inspiration Editor at Campaign. Coming up in today's episode, Quiet Storm's Executive Creative Director Trevor Robinson and Now's outgoing CCO Ben DaCosta will join to review some of the latest ads. But first, we'll start by discussing some of the latest news with Campaign Word Gal, Harlot Horrollings. Harlot? <laughs> I was trying to say your name then. <laughs> Welcome, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, good, thanks. Uh, the Word Gal is exposing me. I know, um, I've been waiting <laughs> to bring that one up. It's my... For context, first week at campaign, um, I called myself a word girl, which is probably not the best idea in front of a bunch of journalists who are also very wordy people. Um, but yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So this week we're going to be discussing your brilliant piece. Art is controversial. The power of street art in the digital age. And I think it might be the coolest feature I've seen on campaign. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's not... high praise indeed. Thank you. <laughs> Proper bringing you up there. But um, yeah, so the whole piece was about, you know, why street art has prevailed in a world where, you know, Adlin at the minute is so obsessed with artificial intelligence and the metaverse and augmented reality. So, you know, why has street art prevailed? Um, do people just love a tactile expression of creativity? Yeah, I mean, like there's the obvious stuff, like a piece of art is always going to stop people in their tracks. Like that's where the, there's museums and galleries, right? You yeah. know? Um, and then there's also the talent behind it. There's a whole breadth of people out there who can deliver some beautiful stuff. Mm. Um, and I think the industry still really values the power of human creativity and uh, the capability of that, mm. as opposed to just getting a machine to do it for you. Um, like I spoke to an artist called uh, Molly Hankinson who said that hand-painted work almost like elevates the messages of the brand mm. and makes it feel more authentic. Um, so yeah, I think that that is definitely why it's something that agencies are going for as opposed to just, you know, relying on mm. tech and AI, which also has its merits, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think it's just nice to see like something so almost so simple, but also requires so much like hard work and soul being put into mm. it, still being like, harnessed in this way and then there was also one thing that came up that I found really interesting was um street arts links to community and diversity um I spoke to Michelle Sarpong from the seven stars and she said that street arts allows a wider pool of creatives to enter the industry and she explained that street art uh shows how brands are leaning into certain communities and demographics to adapt their creative and make it resonate with their desired target audience mm -hmm. and i feel like that's really special because you know how brands can have an authentic connection with their desired audience through art and that's something you can't really get with a billboard that's being plonked here there mm -hmm. and everywhere um like murals are something that are unique to the street they're painted on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i noticed in your piece it's the mother um which beer was brand was it Stella Artois. see that was brilliant because it couldn't have been anywhere else it had to be specifically on that side of the wall can building. you talk can you talk us through that uh, yeah yeah so mural. the the ad itself was for its unfiltered beer and i don't know like you know there were there were ads as well of you know just people walking around naked and the ads had certain things censoring mm. their modesty and the mural was basically a play on that um so the building itself it showed two naked people on the side of the building what's drink. not to love exactly we yeah. love it well the, the, the bits that are covered up um, <laughs> or the non-bits <laughs> yeah uh, they're drinking beers and the windows of the building are covering mm. up their you know their privates um so that's like an example of where location is really really important and they couldn't they they said in the piece like they couldn't have done that 
with just a billboard. They mm. needed the they needed the mural and they needed the environment, the right environment to make it work and mm-hmm. it really did mm. it is interesting what you say obviously at the beginning but the fact that you don't think about this but there is such a large amount of appreciation for art in the hand of the artist so imagine if you know michelangelo had been done by ai like the sistine chapel ceilings we don't think mm. we'd be that excited by it at all yeah and the thing is ai can do that now well exactly incredible imagine what michael would say yeah at least my name is not michael <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things where like, I think there's going to be a movement away from it. I think people are going to be wanting the more tactile expression. It's yeah. always, you always want the pure form. Um, in the piece, I you interviewed Lee Bofkin, who's the co-founder and chief executive of Global Street Art. And I think what he said was quite interesting is, is the fact that talented, skillful human element of creativity cannot be replaced, but it can be supported by AI. Can you talk a little bit about this match between the digital and the physical craft, which he calls a wonderful uh, challenge? Yeah, so he described it as a wonderful challenge for his business because it's an example of a more traditional art form having to keep up to speed with the times. And I guess it's unique for technology and art to cross over in this way. Um, I think it's like unique to the industry, really, that art is having to keep up with Mm. the technological advances. I mean, in some cases it doesn't. Some cases it just is enough to have the piece of art there and it can speak for itself. But it is interesting to see how brands are adapting to the way Mm -hmm. technology can be used. Um, There are some brands that are incorporating technology into their artwork by including QR codes to take passers-by directly to the product. Um, And then um, some other people I spoke to, as well as Lee, like made the valid point that street art has the power to be shared across social media. And that's mm. another example of how like technology can work hand in hand um, with more traditional art forms. And I don't think this made it into the article, actually, but something interesting that Lee told me was that all designs for a mural need to work at the scale of the size of a matchbox Mm. um because that's the same size it would be if it were posted on social media and viewed on the phone um yeah and i love that idea is that a new thing then obviously since sort of the it it must be like a new way of thinking like Mm. so since social media has become so dominant when it comes to like um like the share power of things and i just love this idea and how artists are taking such a modern approach to their designs like Mm. thinking about how like okay this might work on this big scale when we've got this massive building in front of us but does it work when we shrink it down to the Mm. size of a smartphone Mm. smart Mm. (laughs) um in other news another story from you this week another nickname we have for charlotte is the news machine (laughs) uh is tsb has introduced a new mascot in the form of a pink elephant that's voiced by actress daisy may cooper and it's part of a revamped brand positioning the ads were created by mccann london and um essentially the the tiny mascot pit elephant is replacing david trimmer um so charlotte do you think daisy's tiny is a worthy successor to ross i think (laughs) ross (laughs) um it's completely different isn't it i mean you can't you can't really compare david trimmer dressed as a recliner to an animatronic elephant so they've gone a completely but now i'm imagining it yeah i know (laughs) i mean like they're two very different like ideas but they've also Mm. stayed in the realm of like Mm. bit bizarre and a bit fun and the dry humor is also still there 
Um, I do think animals can be quite hit and miss. This is for mm-hmm. me personally, because they stand the risk of coming off as quite creepy. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. I just have a thing about it. Name um, your creepy, what's a creepy animal mascot that comes to mind? <sighs> creepy one. So my mum will hate me saying this, but she has a thing. About, I think I must take after her a little bit. Um, she has a thing about... <laughs> We're all her, like our mothers. <laughs> she, yeah. She has a thing about animals acting like humans. And right. so the foxy bingo mascot is something that she cannot okay. stand. Not one that came to mind but I can see where she's going there. Yeah, I mean, like the... Oh, we're going off on a tangent here, but the um, Hofmeister, George the Bear, is coming yeah. back. Um, and I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, no. like, I know he's a legend and everything, but mm. it's creepy. But um, yeah, so this one isn't... isn't So tiny. Tiny, <laughs> tiny, back to tiny. Tiny creepy? Tiny looks like an elephant and acts like an elephant. Right. Apart from the fact that she talks. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's... That's fine. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not crossing the the boundary of like weird for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just enough weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a huge fan of like this country and Daisy May Cooper. Um, <laughs> so you're talking about the UK then? <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah, <laughs> we're going off on a tangent again. There. <laughs> I just realised. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this country. Huge fan of Britain. Uh, no, that's a different topic. Um, but yeah, no, this country, the show that Daisy May Cooper is in, um, is hilarious. So mm. I'm intrigued to see what they do with Tiny going forward. Mm. It draws into question: um, Should brands create their own characters? Characters, um, or license an existing fictional one. So why do you reckon brand characters can be hugely beneficial? Uh, I mean, like we've seen like when a brand mascot can be really effective, like the meerkats for Compare mm-hmm. the Market, for example. Yep. They've been around for Up how long? until the Russian war and then when it was questioned. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, they were doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, how long have they been on? I think it's about like 13, 14 years. I can't there. remember a time before the meerkats. I, don't, I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that goes to show like yeah. they, are, they are the brand and... I think it goes to show it takes time and patience to really yeah. see that work. And if brands want to introduce a character like Tiny, mm. then they have to commit to it and see it through. Um, so yeah, if they're if they're disappointed that they're not going to get everyone going mm. like, oh, Tiny, so cute. Maybe like they can bring out toys, like that sort of thing. Like that I'm always intrigued. seems to work. They can, like maybe you could press them, and it has like little quips from Daisy May Cooper. Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Imagine getting your child a toy voiced by Daisy May Cooper, though. I mean, you can get your child worse things. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. Um, You can see why brands tend to go for like existing fictional characters because Mm. they already have like a pre-existing fan base there and it probably requires less, like less time for, you know, fans of the brand to build. Mm -hmm, For sure. What would you say is your favourite brand mascot of all time? That's a really hard one. I think the meerkats are up there. Mm. Um, Mine's is the Michelin Man because mm -hmm. he is associated with like the highest class food but he also does tires and that in itself is wild <laughs> is he associated with food michelin star oh <laughs> that comes from the michelin while. travel book oh okay so it really got is you. like when you get like sorry, your michelin I'm not, star i'm not read up on the history of the michelin man sorry, sorry. I, well i obviously am yeah uh, but i find that so weird and wonderful <laughs> yeah i think right so pg tips monkey was cracking okay now that's yeah that's a contender um we that like oh so my family just have a thing about buying the toys of the of the brand mascots because i also you're really exposing a lot of your childhood (laughs) i know there was because there was the honey monster as well Mm. um and then also uh andrex bit of a weird one but obviously i was little i really wanted a pet dog and andrex came out with the stuffed animals of the puppy do you want if you want to sell toilet paper put a really cute puppy on it exactly I always like, buy andrex why did like 
you know, tiny me want something associated with toilet paper, but I did. And I had about three of those stuffed animal puppies. Everyone loves puppies. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, also, like, in terms of real, well, not real people, because this isn't a real person, but direct line stuff. um, I particularly like Winston Wolfe when they brought in the Pulp Fiction Mm. narrative. That was really effective. Um, So, yeah, I think those are a couple of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good answer. On that note, (laughs) thanks so much. That's all we have time for today in terms of news. On to the final part of this podcast, I'd like to introduce Trevor Robinson, OBE Executive Creative Director at Quiet Storm and now's outgoing Chief Creative Officer at Ben Costa. Thanks for joining. Hello. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Now, before we kick off with the creative review, Ben, you're, you joined us after some pretty nerve-wracking news uh, that you announced this week. Um, your big plunge into the freelancing world. So how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm like 50% bricking it and 50% excited. I think as, I mean, Trevor's done it for a long time, but running an agency is hard work. Mm. And I think it'd be exciting just to go back to um, getting back to making the work, as I said, and just coming up with fun stuff and, and getting getting the love back a bit and, yeah, moving away a bit from, as I said, from spreadsheets and yeah. B&Ls and EBITDAs. Yeah, to- I think I might join you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to create a movement. Yeah, I've got my little sack on a stick. I'm just going to come come with you, man. It's just too much politics. Family the end of the CCO. Family. Yeah, exactly. Result once one um, pod- podcast. We're ready to take on the world and find the joy back. <laughs> this is the launch. <laughs> now to review some recent work. First off, we'll kick off with IKEA. Show off your savvy, which is created by Mother London. It takes the form of an MTV crib style show, um, and it taps into the highs of saving money from oven ready leftovers to extendable children's beds and energy saving lighting. The main lead takes viewers on a tour of his house and all its thrifty glory. Let's have a listen. Welcome to my crib. Let me show you what I've done with the place. This is where we chill. Boutique sofas. Who needs it? We change this one up every season. We got the fridge stacked. Oven ready leftovers. This bed grows with the kids. I got designer bags. Floor to ceiling, every make, model, colorway. Vintage. This is what magic happens. Energy saving life. That's nice, Joseph. Show off your savvy. Ikea, the wonderful everyday. Trevor, what did you think? Did it live up to the expectations we've we've come to expect from Mother and Ikea? Yeah, I liked it. It made me laugh, especially the longer one. I felt I saw the, the shorter one on TV and I didn't find that that funny. But the longer one, it just gave it enough time for the humour to work. I mean, I was a bit apprehensive about the spoofing of of um, Cribs type thing because I've kind mm. of felt like I've seen that and it, that train had gone. But they do it in a really fun way. The casting's good. And it made me laugh. So, um, and it actually, it, it, I did land the um, the innovation with with Akira at first. Akira, I've got a movie on my head. 
Ikea. Ikea. Um, at, at, at first, Ikea. At <laughs> first. But um, once I watched it again and studied it, I thought that's quite interesting. Like the bed, mm. en- energy saving, like, and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was quite an entertaining way to get some of those um, things across. Mm. What do you reckon, Ben? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always difficult, isn't it? Because they've made so many iconic ads. Mm-hmm. It's just oh. like it's like a sort of difficult seventeenth album or something. It's like the yeah. so I think in terms of like, is it is it a great ad? In terms of IKEA great ads, not probably not my favourite, but definitely yeah. is a well written, be- nicely shot, well crafted. Did I get savvy savvy saving from it? I couldn't say I necessarily did. I didn't. Yeah, quite I understand. didn't get that straight away. I must no. Say. So then when I reread the description and then I watched it again, I was like, oh, I see. So I can see that. I think um, I liked it. I think it relies a lot on kind of clever camera tricks and things like that. And I guess for me, there's, I don't know, the the the, the imagination leaps that I know the mother have just nailed all the time. I think I, I missed a bit. Those kind of moments you're like, wow, how did they get to there? But, you know, it's a really good ad. It would be in my portfolio in the minute. So, yeah, so I'm not definitely not snagging it off. I just think in terms of, like, where what Mother have done for Ikea. For Ikea. Ikea. Yes. <laughs> Ikea? Ikea. Ikea. I think Ikea's I, – I was thinking about it, but I can't bring myself to say it. I did have a Swedish girl. <laughs> Ikea. I had a Swedish girlfriend once, and she would correct me, but I, I can't now remember what it was. I mean, um, but yeah. we all have our little pronunciation faults. Yeah. I have tons. It's interesting what you say, obviously, about the need to go to the description, because it's like, well, if you need to go read about it, who's going to do that from a consumer point of view? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a good, good product out there. You see all the different things that they sell, and I didn't know that you could. I've got two kids about the same age. I didn't know them, the bed changed. I didn't know you could change the colors on the. So, so you know, it's like one of those, it's like you can see the, the, they've got a lot they have to pack in, mm. a lot to try, trying to sell in all the different range of products, especially when everyone's tightening their belts a bit and money's a bit tight. It does make a lot of sense. Mm. I think it's an interesting direction because obviously I loved the Christmas ad they did with the talking kitsch mm. sort of objects, but there was a lot of backlash towards it about the fact that, um, you know, it was a bit home shamey. And I guess this approach is quite interesting because it's sort of encouraging just sort of like be thrift. thrift is that the grime one? Yeah, the grime one. It, yeah, I really like that. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I love well, you that. Can't, you, can't, you can't please everyone. That one no. I would definitely have on my reel. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I think and it's one of my favorite Christmas that, ads ever. Yeah, I thought it was really good, and the um, the falling from bed to bed. Um, what that was that for IKEA? I think so. Yeah, yeah, but the bed one. Yeah, yeah, that that's absolutely beautiful. I think that's the imagination bit. I think it's just like get it. There's loads they've got to shove in. They got. To just, mm. I can yeah. see it now. Like, make sure you show this and this product and the homeware and the thing, and uh, you've got all of those messaging you've got to get in. So, but uh, yeah. It's always that challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Well, obviously, IKEA had a had a bit of a wobble last year. Um, might still be having wobble. We haven't been able to report whether or not um, whether they were mulling over a creative review. Um, so, do you think this film cements that long term partnership? Uh, I think it's it's not a bad ad. It's definitely not an ad that you you know let's put the business up for grabs. Mm. It felt like it was like like Ben was saying, it's hard working. And it's entertaining. Is it the best ever ad that they've ever done? Or indeed, ads in general, I can't, can't comment on that, but it's entertaining. And I've got to say, the amount of you know people that are trying to do good ads and it ends up being uh, astonishingly bad is Who? Quite high. Who? 
I'm not going to name names. They know who they are. <laughs> they know who they are. Yeah, we'll drag them out in the streets screaming. I've told them. Yeah, uh, good. In terms of, are they going to go up for review? I just think it's one of those classic things. They've done so much fantastic work. Mm. You don't need to, like, you know, we see clients jumping around all the time for something better. I, They've set the bar high. The mother has set the bar really high. Mm. There's people that know that business inside out. I think that would be, it. to me, it's madness. If they, mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, next up, we have a rebrand where EA has revealed the look for EA Sports FC, which is the first interactive football game to appear without the FIFA branding after it ended its 30-year deal with the organization. The brand vision, mm-hmm. identity, and logo was designed by Uncommon Creative Studio, um, and the rebrand draws inspiration from the triangle player uh, control indicator that appears when the football players' characters play during the game. The campaign includes a film with British rapper Dave, who narrates the energy of the EA Sports FC on the pitch and in culture. Let's have a listen. Triangles. From total football, tiki taco, gagan pressing. This is football's DNA. Always been in the game. Now, it's in the name. Shape of football's future. Got it, got it. On the pitch. In the culture. To the world. Trying. Now, Ben, you're you're a big fan of FIFA since 1993, was it? Yeah, I've grown up playing FIFA. Yeah, uh, I even tried to become a professional footballer for a week. Oh, did you on the game? <laughs> no, no, just that. I, I mean, my son is like obsessed by football now and plays FIFA. I mean, I I think the triangle thing is. I think it's inspired. I've been growing up playing the game. It's really clever. I think uh, I love the idea that I've. You know, you've played that game for so long with the triangles above their heads and suddenly to turn that into the brand new brand look and feels, I thought was really clever and smart. The film is ace. Mm-hmm. I think as, I just think the challenge will be that it's FIFA. I mean, I've always known it as FIFA. So Is I that going to change? EA Sports FC? EA Sports FC doesn't, I mean, that's just a big change, but that's, that's nothing to do with the branding. That's just the name. But mm. um, I don't know why they had to change the name. That's one thing I didn't. I guess it's to do with the rights of the license. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be a reason because I don't think they would have done it intentionally. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this is. This is I thought it was brilliant, and I support Wimbledon because someone has to. And um, <laughs> even I've seen that. Um, you know, they've done it in the brand, the Wimbledon colours, and I saw mm. that being posted out and shared. So it's definitely in culture, and people are talking about it and seeing it. And I think it's a there would, that would be a lot of pressure to take something so iconic and loved by so many people and have to reimagine it. So I think they've done a really good job. Mm. Trevor, what do you reckon? I'm glad Ben spoke first because um, <laughs> he's obviously a fan, plays the game and all that kind of stuff because I I didn't because I, I just had to stop myself somewhere from playing games and trying to exist and work and eat and have a family. Too many distractions. Yeah, man, it's too much hard work. Um, big. I used to be really big into playing physically playing but not not so much the game so i'm really pleased that ben had the the heritage thing because i 
I think to normal human beings, it does just look like a branding exercise when you see it and you think, how is this? Okay, maybe they try to Nike London it in terms of it feeling busy and using Dave and cool and stuff. But I just kind of felt like you're trying to flog me a, a, a logo design mm. and a branding design. I'm just like, why do I care about this? I don't. But Ben yeah. does. And Ben's <laughs> had talk, conversations about Yeah, I think most people care about FIFA. It's like this is like a, it's sort of like an institution and something that, you know, I've grown up 30 odd years playing that game. Yeah, it's like, yeah that's, it's, like, that's what I'm saying. It's good that you spoke first. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an important part of culture and life and it doesn't matter really who you are sitting playing FIFA in friends' houses and that's just how I've grown up. And mm. so, mm-hmm. and for my son too, it's like, this is massive. It's like the whole, you know, it's whole obsession. Wow. So well, I think yep. it's a lot of pressure to take that on. So I think that it's, that film's justified for what it is and how mm-hmm. important it is to people. Um, I think the only thing I would comment on is that the idea of triangles in football is going to get into sort of, t- I mean, that's Guardiola sort of 10 years ago. I think the idea that triangles have always been in football. I'm, I'm the old school where, you know, route one, lump it up. You're losing me and, here. You know, I don't know if triangles <laughs> has always been the sort of football. Uh, that was one of my first um, nitpicky question about <laughs> triangles because I think it is just Pep Guardiola and... Uh, and like Liverpool of late, watching yeah. them what play against that poor Leeds team, but um, just had to drop that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta pump the Reds. But um, I, I have to say, hats off to this. I think it's relevant to people who play and that massive community out there that um, indulges in it. But for me, and like if I showed it to a couple of the ladies in the office, they were like, "What? What's this about? You know, why mm-hmm. is this interesting?" Yeah, I guess you just have to go on social media. That's interesting. It obviously works with a target audience. Mm, yeah. People are going mad on social because it's just like the, oh. the you just see how much people care about it when you just see how many people retweeting it. I think that, yeah, like I say, immense pressure to have to carry that and redo that. What, I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's a lot, to, you know, it's like you're, you're messing with something that's like borderline religious. Sacred ground. People. Yeah, sacred <laughs> ground. So I had think hats off. They've done a really, really, well, really good, good job. Good job on common. And Ben is definitely up for a job there. Exactly. <laughs> we see what you're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> nice pitch. Uh, every wow. single one. That's a, for the, yeah, for, I'm sure Mills is listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, last up, we've got Neurofem, uh, See My Pain by McCann London. The campaign marked the second stage of their painkiller brand, See My Pain Initiative. And this time, it features a series of imitation medicines that reflect the justifications women hear when expressing their pain. Um, like maybe it's your age and maybe you're stressed. Um, and it also includes a 90-second film. Um, and it was created by Ruth Bolter. So let's have a listen. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to... Sorry. This pain was uh, like you were being tortured. (sighs) Over 50 years of living with pain. To just put up and, you know, carry on, which at the time I couldn't. My friends sort of got on with their lives and thought, Natasha will be okay. I was told it was um, just wear and tear. That was it, wear and tear. Why don't you go to bed then if you're in pain? Well, maybe it's just stress. You start to believe when they say that there's nothing medically wrong. Yeah, nothing wrong with you. It's like this energy of dismissal, like... Ah. I 
think if I'd have been told your pain's real, it'd have saved my mental health. I don't think for one minute, if a man was sitting in my position, they would say, you're just being emotional, Mr. Smith. That was like an ongoing thing. You're the female that doesn't really know what you're talking about, kind of. No one was listening. They just looked at me and assumed I was an overly dramatic woman. Nurofen is committed to help close the gender pain gap with new research and more training for doctors and pharmacists. We hear you. We support you. We see your pain. What did you guys make of this uh, taboo busting campaign? Um, I didn't really think it was that. I loved the dialogue. Mm. I loved it. And the, the kind of the fact that Nurofen's getting behind this subject matter seemed to make sense, even though I was told by a doctor friend that New friend is incredibly extortionate in terms of home brand and stuff. I'll still buy how it. How much to pay for it? Yeah, <laughs> yep, same here. I've just grown yeah. up with it, so it didn't cross my mind. But um, at the same time, I thought um, it lacked creativity. If you look at the, mm. I know it's not great to compare it to great ads, but like um, womb stories, it, it just took that idea and is this taboo conversation and. And these 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 kind of um, very male statements around the female body and what they're going through. Um, I just didn't do it much to me. I just thought it's talking heads and it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it's not a creative idea for me. Mm. Sorry, Ben. So you probably yeah. said it. Opposite. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I'm, obviously, I, it's incredible. No, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's the agency? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, love the work. <laughs> uh, Always love their work. I love the one oh, before. Massive, massive fan. Uh, huge fan. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I again, interesting, really interesting topic, and it's not something as a bloke that I knew a lot about and mm-hmm. didn't understand. It, I think, it feels very uh, authentic for Neurofen to be in that in that space, as Trevor said. I think that like. They have a right to talk about that. It feels kind of true. I had a look. They were trying to how they are backing it up. I guess they're backing it up by their, what they're educating pharmacies and pharmacists, right? So that I, you know, they're doing stuff to try and sort of change the category a bit. But the work itself, I think, could have been. I mean, that's a great brief and an interesting mm. topic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like what they did with the labeling. Sorry to interrupt you, yep. but you no, know, no. and they put the type on the on the labels, and I thought. Oh, that's good. But I loved it when they had to disclaim it at the end, just in case some of people think, hang on a minute, it's not, I saw the ads. Yeah. Where's those FYI, little clients? Not real yeah. product. It's such a difficult game. Farmers, farmers like a hard brief on, mm. as a creative. Like a, and I think they've done, a, they've done a, an honest job. It's really good insight. And it's yeah. interesting insight. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard, right? And again, go back to clients, but who knows how how far you can push a client in a certain category when they haven't been in that space before and they haven't done that sort of intro- that work before. So Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, about body form here, but it would be nice to see the next stage of it be a bit more kind of crafty and yeah. see them sort of bring the pain to life in a way. Because I think that was the thing with body form is you, could, you can use it as a thing to be like, this is how I feel and someone's visualized it for you. And I think there's just, there's a lot, This, as we say, it's a good insight. It'd be nice to see where they can take it. It feels like it stopped at the planners and it had... I like the press executions to it that they brought into the TV, but it doesn't quite 
doesn't justify it enough. Um, doesn't dramatize it, I should say, not justify. You mentioned talking heads. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, testimonials, talking heads. Mm. Does that ever work? Well, it's a cop out, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, you know, like, let's have people heartwarmingly talking about something that starts with that a wonderful woman talking about, you know, the pain and breaking down into tears. And it's like, oh, let's get them. Mm. It just didn't feel, you know, if I kept thinking about the, um, the talking heads for, what was that for? It's about the, the hardest job on the on, on the planet. I can't, I can't, just ringing a bell. But it was the talking heads, but it had a real twist to it, mm. as in it was talking about mothers. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? It was a real, this, I, I, I just kind of go. This is what you see on the on the tin. Yeah. Where's the idea? Mm. Well, let's hope by the end of it, Ben will have lots of, lots of work coming. Yeah, okay. mm. <laughs> That's all we have time for here. Thanks to Trevor and Ben for joining us to discuss some recent ads today. Fabulous. Lovely seeing you again as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Campaign Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at www.campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and our producer Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio and also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. <laughs>